Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our series, God, Why? Knowing that we have a God who welcomes our questions. Enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. Good to see all of you. Good morning, good morning. And to those online, welcome to each church. You guys good? How beautiful has it been in worship this morning? And, and, and I, I, if you were here last week, I know it was mentioned, it was mentioned, I think this is the third time, but it was an incredible Sunday. Seeing 30 people being baptized was life-changing. Amen. There was something I am so grateful that I decided to preach before and not after. I promise you, I cried and I cried and I cried in this baptism servant because it's also the journey of being with these people and then seeing the place that they came to being baptized. It was a Sunday that you could say, God is good. Amen. And so that's what I want us to do because I think that we need to warm up a little bit in this service. Let me just say this. Our 8.30 service, bless them for coming at 8.30 in the morning in the rain. We're very lively. So you 10.30 service, come, come. We've still had a little bit of no rain coming in this morning. So I'm going to say God is good, and you're going to say? Oh, you guys are good. Okay. So we're going to do this together and aloud, not a soft. So not God is good all the time. We're going to say it together. So God is good? All the time. God is good? All the time. And all the time? God is good. Amen. Well done, you guys. Now, this is the question. Have you ever doubted that? Have you ever doubted the goodness of God before? Now, I know as believers, this is something that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't doubt God, and and particularly when it comes to doubting His goodness. But I wonder if any of you, like me, have been in a place where we've actually doubted the goodness of God, where we maybe have not necessarily said it in those words, but we have gone, God, why? This is not fair. Why is this the situation that I am in? And maybe you have felt like this when you lost a job. Maybe it's when your parents divorced. Maybe it's when your partner cheated on you. Maybe it's a moment when you lost your son or your brother. And you're asking yourself, God, why? God is good. And now you're thinking, I'm struggling to even say that. And even sensed in worship this morning that there's a resistance even. And I remember my prayer today, please church hear me. We serve a God who is incredibly faithful and the Holy Spirit speaks about the gentleness. And my prayer today in, in a topic that's very difficult to unpack is that you would feel the gentleness of the Holy Spirit upon you this morning. Because it's not only things like that. Maybe you're asking some, some questions like, God, why won't you ever take these migraines away? Or this depression. God, I thought by this time in my life, I would be in a completely different place. I would be more happier. Maybe it's more ordinary things of you saying, I- I'm a good person. Like I'm reading my Bible. I'm trying to tithe. And I'm doing this. And, and still I don't feel content. And you're asking the question, God, why? Or maybe you're looking at the world. And you're thinking, God, where are you? 
when you see these little children suffering, when you see what's happening in Ukraine, you see the war that's going on, when you look at all these situations, you're saying, God, why do you allow suffering? Have you ever thought of this? Why does God allow suffering to happen? Now, if you're wrestling and you're questioning the goodness of God, this message is for you today. And that's why I titled the message today, God, why do bad things happen to good people? See, we in week two of our series of, of God, why? And, and, and the key thesis of the series is, is the truth is we all have questions. But where do we go with our questions? Because actually, Jesus says, I invite you to come with your questions. How you are feeling to come to me with this. And this very question of why do bad things happen to good people, I think it's the most commonly asked question about God and who he is and what he is like. Even in the history of this world, we see this question is asked so many times. And there's a pretty good chance you have either asked that question or you know someone who is asking that question. And usually it falls into two categories. Usually, number one, it falls into the question asking God, why did you allow this, whatever situation, to happen? Or maybe, in the second category, it falls into the thing of you saying, God, this is not fair. God, you are not fair in this situation that I'm in. And if you've asked a question like that, I don't want you to feel bad or think I'm wrong for having a question like that. Because actually, when you look throughout Scripture, you see throughout so many people were asking this God why question. Abraham questioned. Literally, in Genesis says, should not the judge of the world judge fairly? Literally saying, should you not judge fairly on these people? Moses said, God, why didn't you treat your people as they deserved? Jeremiah said, why did the wicked prosper? It's not fair that bad people are getting rich and the good people aren't. Amen. How many of you feel like that? Sometimes you look at the government and you think, how much more can you take? David. You just open the songs you read over, over and over. He would literally keep asking questions. David would say things like, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? God, where are you? I'm lamenting. I'm in pain. God, why are you quiet? But I think the most interesting one is found in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms by a prophet named Asaph. Now, maybe you're not familiar with this guy. I had to take time to research about him. But actually, there's 12 Psalms that was written by him. And what's interesting is that when you read and you sort of understand the basis of who he is, is that he was the head of the choir in the tabernacle. Now, that was a very big position to have. Like modern day, like we would see it as like having like a worship leader here in church. So like a Damien and a Sean, that was his role. And so here we have this, main, this man, and he starts to share a little about what's going on in Psalm 73, and he starts with this. And now when you read this starting, you need to say what is going on in the context. So we understand he's a worship leader, he gives of his time, he's serving God, he's loving God, and then in 73 verse 2 he says, I was starting to stumble. Because now he got into a place where he started complaining. He was looking around and he's saying, how did those wicked people prosper. They get all the blessings. God, where are you in this moment? Has anyone felt like it? When you look at someone, you're like, I don't want you to prosper. I want you to suffer in this moment. And yet they still have it. And then the verse goes on to verse 11. They said, what does God know? Does the Most High even know what is happening? Like, hello, do you even see what's going on in the situation here? 
and then carries on in verse 12 to 14. Look at these wicked people enjoying the life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Wah, wah, wah. And he keeps on going. And I read that and I was like, hello, how much of a like, are we are like this? We're just moaning myrtles. This and that. We keep going on because you think, oh, this guy moans a lot. <laughs> I'm like this. I think many of us are like this. And you look at this man and you think, but he's a good guy. He's his worship leader. He's giving of his time. He's always there. He's investing and giving and giving and giving. And yet he feels like, God, where are you in this moment? This is not fair. Why do you allow this to happen to good people? Anyone thought and had a question like that about God? I remember for the first time at the age of 13 questioning and asking God, why? Do bad things happen to people that are good? Because I find myself in a place like that. Believe it or not, when I was young, I was a really good swimmer. Believe it or not, I promise you, it won't look like it now. But I really, I did well in swimming. I was an essay swimmer, um, and I was literally competing with the best in that time. This is the essay, just to prove it, because you know people say like stuff like, oh, yeah, I was like this, and meanwhile... It was like primary school, like swimming. But anyway, this is SA ranking books, and this is where they rank everyone across the whole of South Africa. And there, you can see I'm number one. Um, <clears throat> I'm not showing off. I'm trying to give you perspective here. <laughs> I want you to notice, maybe if you don't know swimming, that's also okay, but number four is Cameron van der Berg. He is a retired Olympic swimmer. I used to compete with him. I used to beat him. <laughs> I, I must say, <laughs> when I was doing this research, I looked at this because I was, I was just like Googling stuff and I Googled Cameron van der Berg and I was like, oh my word, if I still swimming, I'd look like that man right now. <laughs> it was my life. I swam. That's what I did. And, and so I'm sharing a little bit more about who I am. And, and so everything about me was swimming. That was my goal. And I was, I was trying to get into the 2008 Olympic Beijing, the Beijing Olympics. And, and, and that was it. I was on track. I was poached by so many coaches. This was going to happen. I was going to be an Olympic swimmer. And then grade seven. I remember climbing out of the pool and I got out and what I thought was normal, I was walking and my parents noticed and my coach that something wasn't right. My back was so skew. And so after seeing doctors, physios, specialists, professors having scans upon scans, discovered eventually with a surgeon that I had a disease in my spine. And so this disease caused certain effects, and not only that, I also had osteoporosis. To the extent that they compared it to my back as a 13-year-old to the back of a woman of 65 years old. And I was a top swimmer, so I shouldn't be having this. And eventually, I remember sitting there at Christian Barnard Hospital, and they said to us that if you do not stop swimming immediately, by the age of 21, you will probably be in a wheelchair. And we left that hospital, because this was when the Christian Barnard Hospital was still the old one in, in the middle of Moin Town. And I remember climbing into the elevator, and I sobbed with my parents. Because in, in a one conversation, in one moment, everything that I thought would be for my life, everything that I was aspiring to, everything that I gave up so much for, but it was also a passion of mine, it was my dream, just like that. 
everything changed. And I asked the question, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? So there's levels of I get this, but I know that those who have even got harder situations than what I experienced at the young age of 13. And so today I want to try and unpack this question. Now please, as I said it in week one, I'm going to say it again. If you think that I'm going to give you three points and a poem, and you're going to say, oh, that's beautiful, Dan, thanks, I fully understand. Let's go for a cup of coffee now because I feel so good. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I might not be able to necessarily answer the question in the best way because everyone's situation is differently. And the truth is, there are way smarter, way better preachers, apologetics that are out there that are, can answer this question better than what I can. But what my heart is and what is the, the, the real foundation of this series is that it says that Jesus welcomes our question and I want to always point us back to Jesus. Our very culture says we are God first. I want to always take us back to Jesus. And so today in this message, which is a very sensitive message, I want us to go back to Jesus. The one who says that maybe I won't have the answer for you now, but maybe a little bit further on I'll have the answer. Or maybe the time when we go and be with him, there will be that peace that maybe we've always been longing for. But today I want to point you to Jesus, to have a biblical understanding and look and actually say that God is in control. That these words that we say God is good, as even how difficult it maybe is, we can still declare through and through that he's good. So why do bad things happen? In the church world, often it would be said that, well, the reason something bad has happened to you is because you're sinning. Like an auntie's like, yeah, because you're in sin and you're not praying hard enough. and, And that's why this is happening to you. Basically, what they're saying is that this unrelated thing that you're doing is leading to this totally unrelated punishment from God. That is not true. Hear me? That's a myth. That's a lie. Let's park that. What I wanted to do is direct us to to a biblical view of this very topic. And I think the most important place for us to start is, number one, maybe you're a victim of a broken world. What do I mean by this? Is that... We live in a sin-stained world. We live in a fallen world. Because in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and I don't have time to go into all of that, but I encourage you to go and read it. And this is the thing with sermons like this. There's so much information that I can get lost in trying to, I'll have to talk until this afternoon, at least. None of us want that. And so I want you to go read. Go read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and you see how everything was perfect. God created everything and then Adam and Eve came and then what happened? They sinned against God and the whole world was not as good as what it used to be. And this is when sin entered the world in Genesis 3. And from there, there was what was known as punishment. There were consequences. There was a curse for the sin. That's why to this day, you even read it in scripture, why childbirth is a painful experience. It says in scripture, why the land is actually cursed, why this sickness, why you go, why, but I don't understand, where did this cancer, it actually talks about that there is pain and death and sickness, and that's why, in fact, in John 16, verse 33, Jesus did not say that in this world you will never have headaches. He didn't say in this world you will never lose the plot when you have four and a half hours stints of load shedding. He never said once that, that, you know what? Your marriage is just going to be perfect. Nothing is going to be wrong. What did he actually say? 
Look what this verse says. John 16 verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have pain. You will have heartache. Things that you don't understand. Why is it like this? In actual fact, it's like a promise that he's saying. I promise you, you be my child. I'm not trying to be a bear of bad news, but I want to tell you that there's going to be troubles here because we live in a fallen world, a sin-stained world because of what happened. And he says, so there is trouble, but take notice, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. The most important place is to acknowledge that we live in a sin-stained world. And that is the result of a lot of the pain and suffering that many of us experience. And we, we can't avoid this. And one of the big factors is, for many of us, we fall victim even more to someone else's sin. What do I mean by that? If you've been taken advantage of abuse, it's because of someone else's sin in a fallen world that now you're experiencing their sin in your life. If someone comes in and holds you up and, and robs you, it's the sin of that person and that you are now the victim. And that's the truth. And often it is like that, that we have experiencing pain because someone else's sin, we now feel that pain. And it's not even you. You didn't ask for it. But now you suffer from that. So it's important to start is that to understand that maybe you're a victim of a fallen sin state. Well, but maybe, number two, is that maybe you brought it on yourself and now you're like, oh, wait, what? You just told me in point one that is not because of that. No, no, I didn't say that. I said that this unrelated thing is leading to this unrelated punishment. But there are things that maybe, just maybe, we have done that results in a consequence. See, the truth is, because we live in a fallen world, there is what's called consequences to our sins. Parents, you know this when you sit with your children and say, there's a consequence for what you did. All of us, every, there's good and bad consequences in every decision that we make. And maybe if there's a direct consequences to our sinful behavior and disobedience that we are finding ourselves saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Let me illustrate. Say for example, you have a lack of time on Saturday. You have one glass, two glass, second bottle, third bottle, and you have in a jaw, and you decide you are going home, even though everyone's saying, let me drive home. And so there you go and you drive home, you knock a lamppost over, the police go there, they come now, you are not lacquer, they take you, and then what happens? You are now sitting without a license and you are so upset and you say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And God would say to thee, because you drank too much. It's a consequence. So understand, and this is not what I'm talking about the first one. This is what I'm talking about in the second one. There's a consequence to some of the decisions that we make, and we bring it on ourselves. Galatians 6 verse 78, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. See, what happens to a man um, who sins? The Bible says this. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, look what it says, he reaps destruction. Asking the question, God, why am I hurting financially? Why are we in this place? But meanwhile, there you are swiping, superfluous, take a lot, living your best life, pay flex to do this, and now you're doing that loan, and Mr. Price, home accounts, and you're living your best life. But God, why are we hurting financially? Do you get what I'm saying about sometimes we bring it on ourselves? And I say it sensitively. 
So maybe it's a fallen world. Maybe it's because we bring it on ourselves. But maybe God wants to do something greater, even in what you're experiencing bad right now. Just maybe, even though it's something that you don't understand, even you find yourself in a place and you're like, I do not want this, and often it is that. I never thought that this is what my life would be or the situation we would be in as a family. Maybe in this, that God's saying, there's something greater that I desire for you. There's a story in John 9 about a man who, who is blind. He was born blind, but his siblings are fine. But this poor guy, he's born blind. And Jesus comes across this interaction with the family around. And I go, just imagine putting yourself in, in a situation like that. You're asking God, why? Why is my brother? Why is my sister okay? They can see, but I can't. Asking these questions of God, why is this my situation? And, and you know what happens now in this verse, and you're going to read it now, is that we start to look for who's at fault. How often do we do this as humans? Now, who can we blame for this situation? And so we're looking and, and we're going, well, is it the parents that we're going to blame? Is it this one that we're going to blame? And then this one, no, 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 Is it because of sin? And look what Jesus says to those that are standing around his family and this blind man. John 9 verse 3, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, but this happened. So we like desperately want to say, um, tell me the reason why it happened. Like, hello, give me a full-on report. I want to be able to read it. It's because of this, 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 and this, and this. Oh, because of that, now I fully understand. No, Jesus didn't say that. All that he said is, but this happened. And then the verse continues. So that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Because then you read on, is that the man gets healed. And then he goes to a place, he says, I once was blind, but now I see. And because of that testimony, he shares about what's happened in his life. You read the story about Joseph. Joseph didn't deserve what he got. Betrayed by his brothers, falsely accused, put into a prison, put into a pit, and eventually sits there, not for one or two days, not for a few weeks, not for a few months, years. He didn't do anything bad, but he's dealing with this. And you're asking the question and say, why? And then through some serious, weird events that happened, like a baker and this cupbearer and all these things that happened, eventually gets to a place where he becomes second in charge and he's there so that he can save a whole bunch of people. And eventually when his brothers go, oh, shit, we, we were the ones, we did this, or we were evil, and we did that, he knows. And can I tell you? Joseph wasn't like a real manly man. He was like, oh, nothing gets to me, nothing gets to me. You read in Genesis how he wept so loudly that he had to go into a different room. He had to leave his brothers and go into a different space because he was so emotional. He was so broken from the pain and suffering that he experienced. And then he says this to his brothers, Genesis 50 verse 20. What you, talking to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God used for good. But I can't feel it right now. I can't see it. And you, even as I'm saying this, you're going, oh, Dan, you don't even understand. I do not even want to hear this from you. 
You know, earlier I told you about um, my back and leaving that elevator. That was it. And what I felt like my whole identity was gone because everything, literally everything was wrapped up in that. And from that moment, I had to stop all physical exercise. They said to me, you can't do anything, just rehab. So you go from training quarter past four in the morning, go to school, immediately back in the pool again, after school. Every single day. Even though I wanted to swim on a Sunday, my parents wouldn't allow me. Now all of a sudden, you sit with so much time in your hands. Everything stopped. My identity. I even thought where I was going to this high school because I was offered scholarships to go to these private institutions. All of a sudden, stopped. I was known as the one who swam. That was all gone. And so I had to find who I was and I struggled as a young teenager just going through high school and trying to go like, who am I? And I remember that's when I decided to throw myself into swimming, um, into music. Believe it or not, I also play musical instruments. I play the piano and I play the flute. Yes, I play the flute as a big guy. I love my flute. It's not a jazz flute, I promise you. But I, I threw myself into that. I didn't know what else to do. And in that space, I started beginning to find purpose again. I started to commit myself to to being in a place where I was doing something. I felt like there was something for my life again. In grade eight, I joined our worship team here in this church and I got involved in worship. And then eventually, after some time, at the age of 21, they said, will you lead our worship and production team? I don't think they knew what was was coming. I had no idea what I was doing. I was actually pretty pathetic. But I I was there. I loved it. God was using me. In that space of feeling like what I had lost, God said, yeah, I'm bringing something. And so things happen. And and, and as I look back now in my life, I can see the hand of God, even in the midst of what was pain and losing identity and thinking, this is what my future was. I felt like I had lost it because can I tell you, honestly, I don't know that I will be in this space and this calling right now. Loving God, I definitely wouldn't be a lead pastor if my direction didn't change. In the middle of that pain, the suffering, God says, I'm doing something greater. I couldn't see it. I couldn't feel it. I believe for many of us, we feel like we are in the waiting room of life. What do I mean by that? Have you ever been to a doctor's waiting room? Now, if you also go to the local doctors here in Edgemead, you wait long for certain doctors. But he is the best doctor. I'm just putting it out there. I'm not going to say who it is. But you know that feeling of what it's like in the waiting room? It's a terrible feeling. First of all, you sit in the whole bunch of coffee and people and you're like, oh my gosh. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, okay, the doctor's coming and you're really not feeling good. Or if you're going for your tooth and all that you know is that you know what you're walking into. They're going to now say, and you know it's going to be sore and you're waiting and there's that anticipation of you just waiting for them to come out and you're feeling so uneasy and you're like, this is not where I want to be right now. I don't know if you're like me, I do not like waiting rooms for anything. I really believe that for many of us, that's where we feel like we are in life. 
We're in a waiting room. And you're not well. You don't feel right. And you're like, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I thought by now this would be different. How do you wait? God's word said, Psalm 130. I pray to God, my life I pray. And take note, you first pray, pray is my first response, and wait for what you'll say and do. My life's on the line before God. How many of us feel like that? I literally feel like my life is on the line right now. My life's on the line, my Lord, but waiting and watching morning, waiting and watching till morning, that's where you feel like you are. You're just waiting. You're just waiting. I want to encourage you with this. Psalm 27 verse 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Hear me, I speak this word prophetically. Be brave and courageous in your waiting room. You're waiting, you say, God, I've been struggling with this. God, I don't understand. Be brave and courageous. And look what it says. Wait patiently. Wait patiently for the Lord. And this is the last one. And this is not a maybe. This is a for sure. The others were like, maybe you're a victim and maybe it's this and maybe it's that. This one is for sure. This is a definite. Number four, why bad things happening? Be sure that God is doing something in you. Hear me, 100%. Do not doubt that God is doing something even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it. And you're saying, I don't want to be here. God is doing something in you in this very moment. There's a verse in Scripture that's a really annoying verse, I'm going to say it, but just because it's annoying doesn't mean that it's not truth, because it's 100% truth. James 1 verse 2 to 3 says these very words, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. Now who says that? Consider it pure joy when you face a trial. But notice this isn't happiness. It says joy, that in the midst, consider pure joy when you're going through things, because you know that the testing of your faith, it does something in you. It develops perseverance. I know personally for myself, I know personally for those who have been around long enough, if you've been through something, and if you've been around long enough, old enough, you definitely have been through stuff. And you look back and you say, God, I, I don't ever want this. I've heard of this so many times. There's, I don't want this. I never want to be here. This pain that I'm experiencing, I don't want to go through it. But I've heard it so many times what people say to me. That despite even that, it made me different. It made me better. It made me stronger. There are many that would say that in my lowest point of life, in the very moment where I thought there is nothing left, it's rather probably better for me to end my life. There's a moment of hope when you looked up and at your lowest point, you met your highest point when you encountered Jesus. And I do not wish it upon any of you. Can I I be 100% honest? I would never choose for my dad to get cancer and then now his most recent one last year. I would never choose that for him. 
I would never choose for my sister-in-law at the age of 16 to get addicted to drugs. I would never choose for the back disease that happened to me and it ended swimming. I would never choose for a complication surgery in 2019 that landed me in hospital for 22 days and a four-month recovery journey. I would never choose that. I would never choose for my mother to be abused as a young girl in her family. I would never choose these things. But can I tell you each one of those people that I've just mentioned, somehow in all of this, in all of these things and in the most strangest way have learned a greater dependency and love for God in the midst of all of this. And I need to tell you in a strange way, in in moments like this, when you're very hurt and you're suffering, when you can come before God, and that's why we say He welcomes your questions, meaning He welcomes you. We heard the verse that it's come boldly before Him. And you come before Him and He says, will you come to me, my child? Even in your brokenness. And in a strange way, He does something in us. Tim Keller says this quote, which is, I think it sums this point up. Suffering awakes us out of our haunted sleep, our spiritual self-sufficiency, into a serious search for the divine. It awakens us out of our haunted sleep of spiritual self-sufficiency into a serious search for the divine. And I want to end with this. Just maybe, this question, God, why does bad things happen to good people? Maybe it's a flawed question. And you're like, what? Shakanara, I just said that after preaching a whole 30 minutes on this. Do, do you know why I say that? The reason why technically it, it actually is flawed. Because we say, why do bad things happen to good people? The truth is, none of us are actually good. And you're like, no, 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 I'm a good person. Hello, those people, yes. And you're nudging someone next to you, they bad. But look here, I am a good person. I am a good person. I know this, I know that. And are you a good person? But actually, do you know it says in Scripture, Romans 3 verse 23, that all of us are sinners. We're all bad. We all have fallen short. And the truth is, and hear my heart, when you can come to a place and you recognize that all of us are sinners, if we cannot recognize that, we will never come to a place where we recognize a need for a Savior in our lives. We'll never recognize that. And this is the truth. And this was a major revelation for me. That actually, the only person that could say, why do bad things happen to good people? was Jesus. Because on that Good Friday, so much bad happened to someone who was so good. On that moment, when he went upon the cross, he was a good person who didn't deserve it and he took the bad to make us good. And you know that he even had the question of why. Because when he lifted his head, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He even asked the why. But let me say it, he's the only good person that could say, why do bad things happen to good people? Because the truth is, every one of us have fallen short. 
but because what he did on the cross and he hung up on the cross but then on the third day he rose and on the third day he says I have done this so that you might be good that I'll give you hope and eternal life and you say but God's not fair this situation's not fair I get you God isn't fair but let me tell you I don't want him to be fair because if God was fair you know what we would get because we had fallen short and he said even in the way you're fallen short I will take your very sins you deserved it all that stuff you deserve. He says, I will take it upon myself to make you whole, to give you eternity. God is not fair, he's just. And I don't want him to be fair because my life, how much I have messed up, I wouldn't experience the grace of Jesus. So come on, let's pray together. And right now, I'm so aware that many, many sit in a place of hurt. And even sharing this message was hard for you to hear. So Father, right now, I pray your spirit that is so gentle and kind would meet the very wounded, suffering hearts in the place of suffering and the place of saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? That right now you would meet. And I want to encourage you. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and say, I don't don't even know what that means, Dan. Just say the very words, Lord, here I am. Here I am with my heart. My life feels completely turned upside down, but Lord, here I am. like I said I've heard many stories as a pastor of sitting with people even if I look across this room seeing different faces knowing the place that you find yourself in that you literally go and I don't even know what's what's up right now in life there are hard times and challenges and there, there's these trials that you just don't understand. God, why did you take us through this? And you're sitting in that place and you're saying, I just need prayer. I just need prayer. I need, I need prayer. That's you. I want to pray for you. You really need the presence of God right now. And you're saying, it is so tough. God, I need a miracle from you. Just by show of faith, you're saying, I need that prayer. Lift your hand up so I know I'm praying for. Lift your hand up. I feel like I can't even lift my hand right now. There's so much pain. God sees that. Don't worry. And you can put it down. God, I know you hurt with those who hurt. And Father, I lift all those hands to you today. They are finding themselves in the middle of a trial. Lord, I pray that for your grace that says so is sufficient for us, meaning it's enough for me in my physical and my hurting heart. Father, I pray that your peace would go beyond any form of, of what maybe man or doctor said. God, that your peace would fall upon each one, that you would guide beyond what human ability and human words say. 
Father, right now, I pray for physical miracles. Lord, for those who are in this space are saying, God, I need a physical miracle right now, I pray that upon them. I pray for those with financial miracles that need a breakthrough in their finances. You're thinking if they put this inflation up one more time, I don't even know what we're going to do. Right now, Jesus, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Lord, I'm praying for relational miracles. God, for those who feel like there is just no hope, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would do, you would take your anointing oil, your mend brokenness, heart and wounds, you would tie together. And Father, I pray for hearts that have hardened, that have gone cold to you. I pray that you would be the hope again, that you'll be the help in times of trouble. I know that there are a lot of you that God brought into this space for a reason. Online, as you're watching, there's a reason why God got you onto this channel that you're watching. And I will need you to hear this truth, the gospel of Jesus is that good things happen to bad people like you and me. That is the gospel of Jesus. That good things happen to bad people like us because some of us feel like I'm just, there's no ways that God can ever forgive me. There's no ways my life, what it's like, and I need you to hear that's exactly why Jesus said, I will take that upon me and he went to the cross. And on that day, on that cross, that when he cried out and it was finished, and then he went into the tomb on the third day when he rose, he said, I have risen so that you will have life and eternity, and now you can receive that. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And if that's you today, you're saying, I need to give my life to Jesus right now, all eyes closed. I want you to say this prayer just quietly. Say, Father, today I need you. Father, today I give my life to you. There's a missing gap in my life and I know that I need you. So today, I give you my all. And if that's you, if you prayed that prayer, with all eyes closed, I want you just to lift your hand up and say, Dan, I prayed that prayer, so I know, amen. And you can put it down, amen, amen, amen. Just lift it up. Don't be ashamed. Say, that's me, amen. Say, I prayed that prayer. Amen. Amen. You can put it down. Father, for each hand that is lifted, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you came and you saved that the gap that separated us now has has been mended, that you have built a bridge so that we could have eternal life. Father, I thank you for what you have done in this place and we give you all the glory for what you have done. And God's people said together, Amen. Amen. I want to... We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.